Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. How's everybody doing? Yeah? Everybody doing well this morning? Beautiful morning? Um, hey, couple, I got a couple announcements. I'm just, uh, I'm ready to dive in this morning. Excited for this message. We're going to um, be in Matthew 24, the Olivet Discourse. If you want to find your way there in the scriptures. Um, hey, gang, we have uh, some wonderful ways for you to get connected, to start gathering together in, in fellowship through community groups, microchurch, discipleship. We'd love to talk to you about how to integrate into those. We need fellowship. We need to be together. We need to be gathering in appropriate ways. And um, just want to begin here, just make a comment just about the COVID restrictions is, you know, there's been some questions about that. And um, I, I just uh, want to say, look, we, we've put out very clearly on our webpage where we stand. We need to obviously uphold the five principles as best we can. We encourage you to bring your mask, right? And, and here's the deal. In church, we need to be, we need to uh, uh, love each other. This needs to be a place of grace, not a place of policing, right? But we need to honor the best we can the, these restrictions. But more than that, we need to honor each other, right? And just how, what we need. If someone needs, right, uh, the, uh, more distance and everything, please, we need to honor that, right? In, in wearing a mask. If others don't, they don't, then we need to Right, just, just love each other, right? Provide a place of grace. We've been real clear on, on all of that um, as we gather together and as we start moving more, right, together, we need to honor that more. So we just ask you to just let's be considerate of those kind of things. And we need to be considerate. I'm going to deal with um, Romans 13. A lot of people are having questions. Romans 13, if you don't know, Romans 13 says, obey the authorities of the land. And of course, we need to uphold the laws of the land. And um, I want to deal with that issue because many are, are raising that issue uh, today when it comes to certain restrictions, and we need to deal with the issue of personal conviction as well. And how do we in the body maintain a place of grace, love each other, and provide room? Uh, so let me just, uh, I'm going to tag that here in the message a little bit more because it's important. But I just say, we've got space outside, we've got overflow space upstairs, fireplace room, cafe room, we've got space for you wherever you're at in this process of just, um, and where you are at with, uh, with needing space. And when it comes to this, this, uh, this space of, 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 of what we, all the COVID restrictions and, and our gathering rules as such. If you have any questions, please let us know about those. So let me move on from that. We have something real exciting coming up, folks. On the 26th of September, um, there's a big prayer gathering taking place in Washington, D.C. Um, the other thing is happening in the Hebrew calendar, folks, um, starting on the uh, 18th of this month, which is this for coming Friday, it begins the Feast of Trumpets. This is Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of the Hebrew calendar. Um, this is the, four, the fifth feast of the seven feasts that God gave Israel in the Old Testament. And um, uh, it be, so we begin there, and it's a 10-day period between then and the 28th, which is uh, the next feast, which is um, the Day of Atonement. And uh, these are important timelines, and so you have a lot of people around the nation who are praying between those dates, and then on the 26th, a Saturday, 
there's going to be a huge prayer gathering up on the Washington Mall just praying for our nation. Not a political thing, just praying. We need God's help, right? I think we can all agree to that. So what we're doing, starting this Friday night, we're going to meet here at 6.30 right here for a time of worship and corporate prayer. We invite you and anyone you want to come here to kick this thing off and to enter into a 10-day period of just praying as a church. I'm calling you. We're uniting with all the churches from here to Rifle, taking these 10 days to pray for our nation. We're going to gather here on Friday, kick that time off, and then individually, just through those next 10 days, I just ask you to ask the Lord to take, cut out some time in there to fast and to pray for our nation, right? Second Chronicles uh, 714, right? And then on the 28th, the end of that 10, that will be a Monday night, we will gather and close that time out right here with another time of corporate prayer and worship and invite you into that at 630. We're going to get more details out in the weekly email um, this week for uh, what that's all about. But in exciting times, we gather together and unite with uh, other, the other churches right around our nation, right, to, to really lift up this stuff to the Lord. So I hope you'll come be a part of that. Let me pray. Um, folks, we have a lot going on. Our nation want to pray for the fires and hurricanes breaking out. There's, actually, we don't even have time to go through everything that's happening except just to call upon the Lord. And then we're going to dive in the Word this morning. Father, thank you, Lord. Ah, Lord, you're a good God as we just read. Father, you have created us and you have saved us, Jesus, into your family into the community of God's people, your children, the body of Christ. We are to gather. We can't follow you. We can't have the hope we need to and continue to walk with you and be strong uh, through tough times if we do not gather together in appropriate ways. Father, I pray. I know you're doing big stuff in your church today in America. Lord, may we heed. May we have ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying and doing, God. Let's be obedient. Give us wisdom, Lord, in this time. Lord, to be your people, to be your church, to be ready, Lord, to serve and to love in, even in the hardest circumstances, Father. Lord, we love you. And, Lord, we just pray for these fires, Lord, and all these people who are in harm's way right now. Lord, we just ask, God, that you just bring the rain. Bring the rain, Father. Put these out, Father. Lord, we ask for just protection among these hurricanes, Lord. And, Father, we ask just to continue. Thank you, Lord, for the movement here with COVID. Lord, it, all the numbers, everything's going in the right direction. Thank you, Lord. Um, and, Father, thank you, Lord, that, that there's not the death rate is, is, is going, you know, way down. Father, we just thank you. Protect us, Lord, in this time. We need wisdom, Lord. Wisdom for our leaders, wisdom for our local leaders, wisdom for our county leaders, wisdom for our national leaders. God, we ask you, Lord, to restore a sense of unity, a sense of direction, Lord, a sense of peace, God, to, your, to this nation. Let your church rise up, Lord, and be your people. Lord, give us ears now to hear your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. I hope, folks, in this time that you're growing in your hunger for God's word, his wisdom, to hear his voice. We need it now more than ever before. We're going to be in Matthew 24. We've been in this little mini-series on this, on this uh, series on hope. And this morning, I just wanted to deal with this uh, big question, but how do we grow hope? And just to ask you this morning, how is your hope doing? In the midst of all this, where is your hope? And is it growing? Hope, along with our faith, should be growing. All right? It should be uh, excelling, and we should be becoming more hopeful people, even when circumstances around us get worse. 
This is what we see in the course of Scripture. God's people rise up. His faith rises. Hope rises. And so that raises the question, well, how do I grow my hope? And do I even know, right, that my hope is, is growing? And uh, I got three things for us as we, we look at uh, all that discourse this morning on this issue. Three questions for us to ask that will help us hopefully just formulate this idea of, man, is my hope growing? And um, wait, what am I holding on to? How do I even know that my hope is, is growing? And um, some big questions here. Now, those of you who are just joining into this study, the Olivet Discourse is one of Jesus' longest sermons, messages, cohesive messages, when the disciples asked him and said, Jesus, when is the end going to happen? When are you returning? When are you coming back? And Jesus gives this long message in Luke, or excuse me, Matthew 24. It's also in Luke, by the way, or parts of it. And uh, we're picking up this morning in verse 29. And so before this, last week, we, I talked in the Daily Faith Builder and everything about this idea of the abomination of desolation, that, hey, the, the world is coming. Evil is going to rise. It's moving towards this clash of good and evil, the kingdom of God, right, and the kingdom of darkness coming together. God is going to bring justice once and for all in, in one day. And he talks about a tribulation period coming. In other words, a, a, a tough time for the church that towards the end, right, is Jesus. These are his words as clear as a bell. It's going to get rough, gang. The world itself is going to turn on you. The world itself is, not, is going to reject Jesus, reject the church, reject the gospel message, and will full on bring hostility right towards that. It will become tougher to be a follower of Jesus. Um, and we see this in the disciples' lives and up and down throughout history. Towards the end, it will move that way. You say, wow, see, that doesn't seem very hopeful, right? It is hopeful in the sense of it, we, those things must happen before Jesus returns and makes right all things new again. So this is where we pick up. Follow with me in verse 29, chapter 24 of Matthew. These are Jesus' words. He says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavenlies will be shaken. And then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn as they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with the power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. And from the fig tree learn this lesson. As soon as its branches become tender... And puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see, when you see all of these things start to play, take place, you know that he is near at the very gates. And earlier in the Olivet Discourse, you talk about the birth pains. We're to have eyes to see. Well, what's going on in the world? Where, where, is, where is this all headed? And, and where are we in this uh, history that Jesus is giving us? Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place, right? And when it starts, it's going to start and it's going to roll quicker and quicker, right? Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. What he means, what we know in scripture is that he's going to renew this place, this earth, right? Heaven itself will be renewed and the scripture is very clear and we'll get into this more. The details is that heaven will again back to the garden will begin come back to this renewed earth. So it's not some off into, you know, kumbaya in the, in the clouds somewhere. It's this place, the beauty of this place, the decay of this place, all right restored again is the promise of God. 
But concerning that day, an hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. So, folks, right here, any of date setting, any of these, and again, at the scripture earlier here, we said the prophets will rise, and there'll be false Christs arise. There'll be all kinds of false, wacky, spiritual stuff going on. And, and the, when you combine that with some political agenda, it's going to get weird. It's going to get chaotic. It's going to get spiritually and politically chaotic, which this is where we're headed, right? And, don't, and he encourages people, stay in tune with the Word of God. Keep your eyes on Him. Is Watch out for all that false stuff that's going to come and lead many, right, astray, right, as it says. And um, is it any date setting, any of the people who are out there, you know, watch for this. It's going to happen on this day or whatever, right here. No, it's not. But what we do know, we know more, and we are to have eyes to have more of this season of at least when it's possibly going to happen so that we're ready, right? And he goes on and says, For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field. One will be taken, one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, one will be left. Therefore, Jesus says, stay awake. For you do not know what day your Lord is coming. Don't be taken off. Don't get distracted in this world and the things going on. Have our eyes awakened and our hearts awakened for what God is doing. Jesus says, be ready. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night that thief was coming, he would have stayed awake. He would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. The Word of God. Jesus gives us more than we would ever realize about preparing our hearts with hope for the future so that we're not taken off guard, that we're not taken off guard by what's happening in the world, and that we strengthen each other and prepare our hearts and that hope rises, that we can bring joy into tough situations. And if we bump back earlier into what Jesus says, he says, look, the church, when this happens, this is not going to be a weak church. This is going to be when the church is the strongest and the glory of the message of Jesus is going to spread, he says, to all nations. In other words, the great commission that God gave his church was to bring this gracious, loving message to all the world. That message is going to multiply. And the church is going to be strong, right? Because our hope, and we're going to be more focused on, on the things of God, right? Is that some, as it says, tragically will fall away. Some will fall away under pressure. Their faith will be tested and they will fall away. But it's a refining of the church. Folks, this is exactly what's happening right now in our nation. With just a little bit of pressure, just a little bit of uncomfort, just a little bit of confusion, right, is it is a testing. It is a weeding out. It is a testing of faith of, of where, where, where's the church at? Is there a genuine faith? Is there a genuine belief of Jesus, a holding to his word, an encouragement of the church gathering together and being the body of Christ and building up our hope? So I got three things this morning just when we try to answer this question. Is our faith growing or is our hope growing? 
And, um, and how, how to know and how to foster that, how to grow our faith and encourage each other with this. And so here's the first one. Here we go. Yes, we're going to talk about politics. We're going to dive in, folks. Politics and religion and philosophy should have never been separated. These should always be integrated because here's the reality is your politics and your faith, right, you can never separate them. It's impossible. And so the first question I need to understand which Jesus goes after the entire Olivet Discourse, right, is this issue that we need to really wrestle with is, is simply, are my politics being interpreted, right, from a biblical perspective? Is my worldview, how I view politics, is it from a transformed heart through the word of God, the truth of God speaking into that? Or is my politics and the media pundits, are they forming my worldview and how I think about things? There could be no more important question for today in the church than this question right here. Now, when I use the word politics, I'm going back and using the general idea of polis, right, all the way to the city-state. And politics, basically, in general, it means the common life we have together. Any issue that impacts us as citizens, as members of this city and this community and this nation, politics is this larger a discussion of the things we have in common that we need to work out and talk to. How are we going to live in this polis, this city-state, together in a healthy way? That's politics, right? This big umbrella of what that is. And here's the reality, gang. Every single one of us, you grew up in a political environment. The household you grew up in, the school you went to, the friends you hang, hung around, your politics has formed who you are, how you think, more than you ever realize, right? The home you grew up, the people you grew up, right? That has formed your worldview more than anything else, right? Those are the things that formed you. Now, here's the important thing, right, is when we come to faith and the gospel transforms our heart, right, is that there must be a shift, that, my, that the Bible, the Word of God, the wisdom of God starts forming me by the Holy Spirit and changing me so that that transformation now moves and is the main filter of how I see the world and I put my politics in submission to the Word of God. And that takes some deep transformative work because when we're a young child, our politics are being formed from a very young age and it gets in there, right? And so oftentimes what we have going on now in America is, and this is, the, the, this is what we have to, if hope is going to rise, if the church is going to rise, is that we must make sure that we are being biblical rather than political. Does that make sense, gang? Yeah. Right? And I'm telling you, most people, I'm telling you, and, and I'm going to blame the church. We, we in, in vocational ministry have not done a good job of, of discipleship where we have called people to a process to help each other really put through the gospel filter our politics. Hey, was that thinking right? How I think about world and economics and marketplace issues and social justice issues, just go down the list. Am I thinking right about those things and am I putting them through a gospel filter or am I out there saying, yeah, I'm a Christian and am I doing things politically and viewpoints and causes, right, without truly having those things thought through from a biblical perspective. That is discipleship. That is spiritual growth. And we know that that's a huge problem in the church. And so we get in problems, right, it, it, when, we, when our politics leads out ahead of the gospel. 
Um, and, and boy, the trauma that has been laid out for that issue is, is huge, right? So let me drill down on this. And how does this connect with hope? Folks, this is so huge. Here it is, just flat out. Folks, I'm going to just say it just bluntly as I can. If you're leading your life and politics is the tip of the spear and the scriptures are behind politics, you will never, you will never be able to hold on to hope. If your hope is built on your political worldview, you will never be a person of hope. You will be caught up by the media pundits and the fear mongering that's going on in our nation. You'll be caught up into the discussion. You'll be caught up into the rat race of focusing on issues other than the issues that God would have us primarily focus on. And so until there's this transformative by the Holy Spirit process where the gospel takes over and I start seeing right? Life, right? And again, in verse 33, Jesus says, when you see, when you have revelation about what is going on in your world from a biblical, the Holy Spirit giving us revelation about what I'm seeing, then I have the right wisdom to be able to speak into something. Hope cannot rise. It's a false temporal hope that politics, any any earthly man-made political system, it has no basis for hope. Nothing. And again, just anybody study history, right? Only the gospel. And this is why this is such an important, important issue to build our faith and to really work through this process. So here we go. Um, I'm going to dive in and say, how? Okay, what does this look like? I want to apply this just, just talking about this, this issue of... Um, interpretation, and deals specifically with COVID restrictions and worship, okay? Um, and here's the deal. Romans 13 states very clearly, and there's a lot of discussion. In our nation right now, you have this battle kind of going on in the church. Some on the side of, hey, it says that we're to obey the authorities and that God has put in place. Absolutely. And uh, the other side is saying, that's true. But there's also conviction that trumps that law. And here's the reality. The whole book of Acts, the church was in violation of Romans 13 through the entire book of, the, uh, book of Acts. Right? Do you, does that, do you understand that? Is that they, as, as in Acts 4, Peter, as they were thrown in jail for preaching the word, right? Peter turns right to the officials and simply says, you tell me, do I obey God or do I obey you? Okay? Now we have to be careful. Right? You can't flippantly use that as an excuse for rebellion. This is where the real work has to come in of, of conviction, dealing with the scripture before God, willing to stand before God under what am I convicted about? What am I, I doing here? So you have room in the church, and this is where we have to create a space of grace on, on these issues. For some personal conviction, like right now, I am not wearing a mask. I'm not going to preach the word to you veiled wearing a mask. It's not because I'm trying to rebel. It's because that's a personal conviction. There's ministry situations where prayer and intimate discussion comes and six feet away and wearing two masks. It is impossible to maintain that and truly do ministry and fellowship. You have to, though, that's not a sense of, oh, well, I'm just, don't, I'm just not going to wear it at all. No, we ask, let's wear them. When we go up in like a restaurant, you come in, we need to obey and uphold, work with people on these issues. But there is a time where we have to come and say, Lord, 
is something infringing upon what I feel convicted about in the sense of my worship, right? Is when we are singing praises to God is don't just not wear a mask because, oh, I see somebody else not wearing a mask or whatever it is. It must be because before God will be in violation of Romans 13 of violating a law of the land unless I have done my work before God and really wrestle with why. Wow, and this, why this is so important is because it really brings me down to the core of, am I really here to worship? Am I really giving him praise? And a veiled face, as scripture said, is that, is that how, am I free before you, God? These are deep things. And you know what? There's room in the church to fall on either side of this. And the very next chapter of Romans talks about that. It said, give grace to one another who have a different opinion on things that are not the commands of Scripture, right? The things that are that where there is a, a, a room, right, for, for conviction. Does that make sense, gang? We have to search our hearts. So what I'm saying is it is sinful to rebel just blatantly. Well, hey, everybody, I'm just going to not do this. That's sinful, Right? That's not thinking through, right? We are called to be people of conviction because here's the reality. We're going to stand before God. I'm going to give an account for why I did something. And the scripture says, if I don't do something by faith, it is sin. If I just do, because then it's just a fleshly decision on my part. So I ask everyone to drill in on this issue and realize I have to make a stand. And this is just the beginning of this process, right? This is just the beginning of having to really wrestle with where am I at? And here's the deal, no judgment, right? It, it is for some, is whether health reasons or whether whatever it is, and maybe they don't even feel like they're comfortable coming back to church. We, okay, we have great, there must be grace for each other to walk alongside each other with grace in where we are at in this process along and work together, right? To do the best we can to love each other, provide space for each other and, and work in the sense of, of having healthy discussion about personal conviction, right, on some of these issues. Does that make sense, gang? Yeah, brother. Right? Does that make sense? Um, and uh, here's, the, I'm going to go back to it. The book of Acts, the church, is in violation of the laws of the land through the entire history of the early church. Here's the other thing I'm going to say is God's command is to gather together. I'm going to be bold as I can on this because the church needs to wake up to this issue. And I just ask you to search your heart and search the scripture. When someone comes to faith and Jesus baptizes you, me, into the family of God, into the body of Christ, meaning each of us are members and we cannot live this life out here isolated, impossible. There is no context for Christianity like that. The Jesus from the beginning, the command is do not forsake, Hebrews 10, gathering together, especially as you see the incoming, he says. So, if, so what does he mean? When intensity and laws and pressure, when it rises up even more, even more so, must you gather together. But what's happening? This is a test for the church in America. Because what it is revealing, right, is that we, we don't get that. Church has been optional. Gathering together has been optional. And folks... Again, as I say, throughout history, right now, I could take you to places in the world where people are waking up and they're traveling through dangerous territory, miles and miles, just so they can gather with other believers and break bread at the cost of their life. 
at the cost of their family's life. But they know and they understand what Jesus saved them into. They know and they understand the importance. They cannot experience everything from God unless they break bread with their brothers and sisters. I could take you to Iran. I could take you to China. I could take you to all those places. And they are all in violation of Romans 13. Because there's a higher commitment to God's law in obeying him, first and foremost. You must understand and have a healthy understanding of, 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 this, of this process. So hear my heart on this game. And I plead with everybody watching, I plead with the church here. And, and this is, I believe with all my heart, this is what God is primarily doing right now in this time with his church and in our culture. Two things. He is revealing to us, right, that we're, we're a people that don't understand what it is to break bread together. We don't understand the centrality of communion, the simplicity of gathering together around a table, breaking bread, and taking of communion, that Jesus is at the center of this. I need you. You need me. We need to be an intimate fellowship if we're going to be the body of Christ. And again, I say it all the time, who, who, who in the church in America is talking about missing out on breaking bread together? We're consumed. So did, and and I, 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 he, please hear me on this. I'm so sick and tired of the church being consumed about details of masks and COVID restrictions. Yes, we need to talk about that. But what we should be concerned about first and foremost is, man, when can we break bread together? When can we gather together? When can we be the body of Christ together? When can we lock arms together to be strong and be the body he's called us to be? Because we are in violation of a law that's much greater than the command of God to be the church and gather, get, gather together in appropriate areas. And folks, let me tell you, I just say with all my heart, is please, is, is, where is your gathered group? Who are you breaking bread together with? When times get tough, who are you locking arms with? Who are you in deep fellowship with? Who is that group? This is what God is doing because he's scattering his church because it has just been an option. I'll go when I want to. I'm going to show up when I want to. And when the pressure comes on, guess what? We scatter and go, well, we can't go to church today and and I can't gather together together. Who is the body you're breaking bread with? Jesus said as clear as he could is that this is my body, this is my blood. As often as you gather, break this together. And folks, and the other thing he's doing is he's just getting rid of all the stupid ritual behind the Lord's Supper. It is to be a part of a meal, fellowship, loving each other, breaking that bread, being real and authentic, not some dead, stupid ritual that we go through. You will find that nowhere in scripture. It's a powerful breaking of bread fellowship with Jesus at the center and time to gather and encourage and stir up each other to love and good deeds. That's what it's all about, right? So hear my heart on this. Is please, we need to heed what God is saying. He is serious about those who know his voice that they treat each other and that they operate like family and they gather together regularly to break bread and if we can't gather as a 500 or a thousand or 200 we should be gathering in our homes as 10 or 20 and ideally we should be doing all of that right you go back to the book of acts what what do we see the church doing 
every day they were gathering in the temple, thousands. We know there was 3,000 plus meeting, right? They didn't break bread when they gathered into group, group, big group, but what'd they do? Every day they gathered in each other's homes and they broke bread and had a fellowship meal and encouraged each other. It is the only way that they were able to live and go through what they went through. Man, as the heat gets turned up, as things get more confusing out there and and the world goes where it's going, without this, you know what's going to happen? This is what will happen. In verse, um, verse 10 of this chapter, earlier Jesus says in this discussion, he says, and then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. He's talking about the church. He's talking about when the pressure gets turned on, guess what's going to happen? Inside the church, there will be those who follow it. And many. And not only will they fall away, guess what, they're gonna, what happens? It says this. Not only will they fall away, but they'll betray one another. They'll turn in one another for breaking the rules. Do you hear me? If the church adopts a policing mentality, what is happening in our culture right now? We're turning into a police state. What we're doing is we are creating a scenario where I tattle on you because what you're doing. And folks, that will go never is that, never in the history of the world will that be and end, end well and do anything good for society. It's called personal responsibility. It's called personal responsibility in caring for each other and understanding each other. It's not called for policing each other where you rat each other out. Folks, Jesus, it's this, gee, could he say that any clearer? This is what's going to happen when the pressure goes up. That is going to creep inside the church. And, I'm gonna, and, and there's going to be this falling away. There's going to be fear taking over over faith. And that fear is going to result in betrayal. Folks, we need to uphold the grace of God. Let the gospel form us in how we treat and love each other. Does that make sense? We need, we've got a lot, so much thinking we have to do on this stuff, right? All right. Next thing. So the first thing, folks, is watchful. I've got three words for you. Watchful, being expectant, and being ready. Without those things, what Jesus has taught us here is that we cannot grow hope. Hope will die. Fear will take over. The church will not be ready for the pressure. We won't be able to encourage each other. And if you think you can stand without breaking bread on a regular basis, folks, I'd encourage you to just go to the scripture. But you know, I, I'm gonna say from a, a someone in, in spiritual leadership, it, it's, it's, on our, it's our fault. It's our fault I'm here. We, we've created a church environment in America where, where we've just said, come and, and, and consume and, and listen to podcasts. Just consume spiritual stuff. We have not called the church back to the very essence of what we're called to, to be, and provide an avenue of understanding that. But God is in the midst of, because he loves his church, and he's got, not going to allow it to continue on the course it's continued. And folks, there's big, big things, big shaking going on. And this is something to understand. Scripture says, and Jesus says, the judgment begins with the house of God. 
So what's happening right now is primarily a shaking in the church. The shaking will happen outside. But the church must heed, right, what God has for us to heed. So be watchful. Have open eyes. Let the scriptures form your politics, right? Move into discussion on this stuff. Challenge each other. If you have a strong position about something, make sure you've done your spiritual work to back it up. To back it up, right? And let's encourage each other with this, right, during this time. Next thing is expectant. Folks, here it is. Are we growing in our expectancy of Jesus' return? You can't have hope. Do you realize that? The only way hope can grow is if you have the hope and the growing expectation in your life that Jesus is coming. I can't wait for it. But here's the reality in the church. We've used this idea, this flippantly. When times get tough, we flippantly as Christians say, oh, maybe, maybe Jesus just needs to come back. Do we really believe that? The reality in the church is, no, we don't. We use that very flippantly. We just say, oh, no, because times are tough. But what we really are saying there is that, no, I, I just want, I want life back to normal. I, I want my own comforts here. So, folks, this, this couldn't be any clearer than this is, is expect, right? In verse 42, right, he, he says about as clear as he can, <clears throat> therefore, stay awake. Be expectant. You do not know what day the Lord is coming. Folks, in your heart, is there a growing sense of come, Lord Jesus? Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. The book, the Bible ends with this should be the heartbeat of the church. When we gather, it should be come, Lord Jesus. Come in, be. You promised to be in in our midst as we're worshiping, but come. Come. Do you believe that? Without that, there is no hope. What, on, let's just be honest. What's left? What's the hope of the world? You got any good ideas? Do you think man? Do you think our politics? Do you think that our, our good solutions, our good ideas, our technology, our medical world, do you, do you think we're going to do this? What gives you any hope for that? Right? What gives you any hope for that? There's only one hope for the world, and his name's Jesus, and he's come with a loving message that's open to everybody, a free gift, the most glorious gift. You receive it by grace. No religious works are required. You can't fix yourself up. You can't be all holy. You've got to come as you are, as I am, and the grace of God forgives us, and we step into this. He receives us as we are. Man. There is no, that's why I call the good news <laughs> in the midst of the bad news. There's no better news. I want more of that. Exactly. And this is what should fire our joy up in the midst of pressure. You know what should bubble out of the church? More of the goodness. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you the solution. Let me tell you who's going to bring the peace to this world. Let me tell you the one who's got it all in his hands. Let me tell you the one that my hope's in. In these times, we should be talking more about Jesus than politics. Is that happening? And hope cannot, if in your life you spend more time talking about politics, in the big realm, again, of politics, hope will die. Talk about Jesus. And then the politics is going to take a whole nother beautiful course in, in direction. All right? Boy, expectancy. And folks, just a little side note here. Um, I can't help myself. But um, it says this, and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather the elect from the four winds and of heaven, and they will come together. Wow. Um, so this, this 
starting on the 18th, is the Feast of Trumpets. It's Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of the Hebrew New Year. Folks, Jesus fulfilled the first four feasts perfectly. He came. The first one is what? Passover. What did Jesus do? When did Jesus die? How in the world did he orchestrate such a thing? People don't, you know, it's so staggering that people don't understand this. The fulfillment of scripture is just overwhelming because we don't understand our Jewish heritage. We don't understand the Old Testament. It's time to get back in the word. Jesus filled Passover. What's the next thing he fulfilled? What's the next feast? Anybody know? Unleavened bread, right? He's dead. He, what's, the, what's leaven in the scripture? Sin. Jesus took our sin. He died. What's the third day? Feast of what? First fruits. He rose from the dead. He defeated the power of death on that day. How did he do that? Four, 40 days later, 50 days later, Pentecost 5, Pentecost, the fourth feast that where all Israelites are supposed to go back to Jerusalem on Pentecost, 50 days later. What happened on Pentecost? Holy Spirit was poured out on the church. Church began. That's Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2. How did he do that? It's unbelievable, folks, unexplainable, the fulfillment of what Jesus did. He's going to fulfill the fifth one, the Feast of Trumpets, and when does he return? When that trumpet goes off. The next feast, 10 days later, the Day of Atonement, where perfect atonement has been unfulfilled. Who's done that? who's, who's, Who's brought pure justice in the world? Who's got a solution for justice in the world? Oh, we're out there fighting for social justice. Let me tell you, your social justice is zero when it comes to any positive movement unless behind it is the one who ultimately takes care of justice, right? And finally, it's the Feast of Booths where God gathers again in the presence of his people. Beautiful, huh? Isn't that amazing? Expectancy. Hope can't grow without it. Finally, folks, let's be ready. Is our faith adequately equipped, right, for the end times? How are you being equipped? How are you being equipped? And I end with this. And uh, Dan, you guys come on, you know, come on up here. I'm going to close. And is uh, I just want to end with this encouragement. Um, man, I I hear my heart on this. I, I believe the church in America. We are not ready. We're not equipped for what, what's being thrown at our way. We're not ready, church. I'm going to talk about just our family. We're not ready. Our faith has not been built up. It's not adequate for what we are going to be stepping into. Our wisdom is not adequate. So how do we get equipped? How do we get equipped? Well, folks, I mean, there's many ways here, but I just ask you to step into it. Right? We have community groups. We have discipleship groups. We've got microchurch. We, we're, we're moving. We're, we're gathering. We're trying to get together. We're trying to encourage each other and equip each other for this. Is, is please, let us, let us help you. Let's help you with that. But I ask you this question. Who are you breaking bread together with? If you know Jesus, if you know him, who are you breaking bread together with? Who are you, who, who are you worshiping God and encouraging together? Who, who are you getting your strength and hope from? Who is that? Who's your inner? Because remember, Jesus, he had his 12, but even in the 12, he had his inner core, Peter, James, and John. That was his inner circle. Who's your inner circle? 
in these tough times, who, who are you locking arms with? Who are you going into battle with? Who's, who are you praying with and praying for and having pray for you? Who are you breaking bread together with? And folks, I just, I plead with you. Let us, let us help you. Let us be a church of micro churches gathered around the table, a fellowship table with the body and the, the bread and the wine and the, and the gospel and God's presence at the center of that. That's the church. And that's what God is restoring. And without it, we cannot be people of hope. We can't be strong enough to walk through the things that are coming our way, right? So, Father, thank you for this morning. And, Lord, make us a people of hope, God. Lord, give us a fire in our bones for your word, Lord. Let's be people of conviction, God. Holy Spirit, we just invite you now in this time. Lord, we just ask you would speak to us, encourage us through the body. Let hope rise, God. Let's have eyes to see, ears to hear what you're doing, God, to be your people, God. Oh, Lord, if anybody's here and they're unsure, they're unsure of whether they know you or not, Jesus, Holy Spirit, just come. Save them. Let them reach out for that free gift and confess your name as their Lord and Savior. Love you, Lord. Holy Spirit, come now. Let us just enjoy your presence, Lord. And hear what you have to say to us through each other as we encourage each other, Lord, as we see the day drawing near. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.